But I believe the Holy Spirit wants to remind us that even in our darkest, lowest point, He's always there. And, uh, you know, I haven't, uh, I'm 60 years old, and one thing I've noticed about people that tend to do well, succeed, is there's one common denominator with all of us is that we all fall down. We all come to a point at times where we want to quit. But one thing that's common with people that tend to succeed is they know how to get up. They know how to get up and start all over again. And that's an important feature. That's an important value in our life. The ability to get up, the ability to press on, and not just getting up for the sake of getting up, but being motivated by the revelation of what the Lord reveals to you and how he speaks to you. And as, as, what is so important about the renewing of our mind on this journey that we're going through Scripture is that, you know, Jesus, Jesus wants us to live in a whole different dimension than where we're living. And uh, that's what the me- message of the kingdom is. Isaiah 55, notice what the Scripture says here. You, you all know this very well. Um, it says this, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Notice what he says, For my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. There's a, there's a slogan that I've, I remember hearing this at one of our pastor's conference years ago, and it, it was this. What I'm a part of is more important than the part I play. What I'm a part of is more important than the part I play. That, that is so important that, that I realize that what I'm a part of is more important than just what I'm at in my part. And it's so important that I really grasp the, the, the idea there. Because in the renewing of my mind, it's me connecting with my Heavenly Father's thoughts. And it's not just, it's not just adding new information to old information. I mean, God is really actually trying to change us. He really is seeking to transform our minds. He's not just trying to change the way we think. He's really trying to change our our total outlook and our total life altogether. That's that's the ultimate goal. And uh, when it comes to the renewing of our mind, uh, I've come in my own journey to realize even though I was raised in a Christian home. But as I have progressed in my journey, there have been seasons where the Lord has allowed me to walk through things that showed something inside of me that was not totally ready 
for change. I was not ready to trust him. Now, I, I know Proverbs 3, 5, I quoted that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean unto your own understanding. You know, we used to sing the song that went with that verse. And it's amazing when I'd go through seasons that were challenging, whether it was on my job, in my marriage, whether it was in my finances, whether it was in the church we were a part of. One thing that our Heavenly Father is so amazing at is that he's so patient and so careful that he watches over us in every single detail of our life. And he's monitor- he monitors how we're doing. He watches over us. He will not give us over and above uh, what we're able to take. He will not allow us to be tempted over and above, but he will allow life to come at us and bring us possibly even close to breaking points at times. Uh, Not to humiliate, not to destroy us, but to show what's in us. Uh, Numbers 13, powerful text, when God spoke to Moses to choose 12 spies to go in to Canaan land to spy out the land. How many of you know the purpose of the spies was not to show what God was not to show God what was in their hearts, but was to show Israel what was in their hearts, what they didn't know. God will use things to show you what's in your heart that you do not know that's in your heart. <clears throat> Case in point. When I married my wife Carol thirty eight years ago, is that right, honey? In March 38, am I, am I, I'm on the right number? Praise God. Last year, I, I missed it. <laughs> but 38 years ago, I thought I knew what love was. When I told Carol, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I, I told her I loved her. And guess what? I lied. I lied to my wife. Not intentionally. But I had no concept of what love was. Because... When the rubber hit the road, things were kind of getting all shook up in our first couple of years of marriage. The Holy Spirit hit me 4 o'clock in the morning one time. We had just come through a huge argument, arguing all night. I know none of you know what that's all about, but we were arguing all night. Carol and I, we were exhausted, and we had to go to work the next day. And uh, Or maybe it was church. We knew how to put the smile on at church, too, by the way. Hi, how you doing? Things are fine. Uh, but they weren't fine. But I remember at four in the morning one time, I was sitting on the couch because I didn't want to go to bed because Carol was in bed, and I didn't want to go be with her because I was punishing her. Uh, you know, I was upset, so I decided to sleep on the couch. That's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, so I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm just thinking, well, Lord, speak to her, oh God. Speak to that woman in Jesus' name. And the Lord said, no, I, I, I want to talk to you. I, I mean, it was, just, it was almost audible. The Lord was speaking to me. He says, you know, Ray, um, one of the reasons why I've given you the blessing of marriage 
is so that you will become fruitful and grow and be a blessed man. And I thought, this ain't not a blessing right now. This is not a blessing. How many of you ever thought that the thing that... How many of you ever wondered when God says something was to be a blessing, you begin to question whether it was a blessing or not? You know, you go back to God, did you say that I was supposed to be a blessed man with this situation? I'm not really thinking this is a blessing. I don't want to put it in, in, in a horrible light, but it's like God it sometimes will trick you. He will, he'll actually give you the desires of your heart, and then with those desires, he will begin to show you what your heart is like. Now, he's not doing that to hurt you. He's not doing it to humiliate you, to shame you. But what he's doing it to is to transform you. And uh, we, we can split, we can quit, cut our losses and run. That's our, our society, by the way. We know how to do that. We know how to cut and run in every dimension. But to hang in there, to stick with it, is really, really an amazing quality that God's working in all of our lives. To stick it out, to work with it, and to look to him. Amen? Part of the renewing of the mind. And I know today there's a powerful theme around the world on the subject of grace. And it's a very important topic. Because the word grace obviously involves the blessing of the Lord. It involves the mind of Christ. It involves coming to understand our new identity in Christ. Some of the beauty, the value, the treasures, and the riches of the kingdom. That's what it's all about. I was coming to you understanding your, your place as a son and a daughter, the amazing inheritance we all have. But here's the thing. God is interested in making us kings like him. He's the king of kings. He's, he's the Lord of lords. And, and he's teaching us and he's transforming us into his image. By, by the way, do you know that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a perfect church? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says when the Lord returns, he's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a perfect bride. He's not coming back with, for a weak bride, a complaining bride, a spotted bride, a wrinkled bride. He's coming back for a perfect bride. And by the way, that perfection doesn't happen when we get to heaven. It happens here on earth. See, that's before he comes. He's coming back for a bride. And so as we go back into the parables of the ten virgins, we find five prepared themselves, five others didn't. But, but God's, God, God has us in this process. And um, if, we, if we don't cut and run, if we can trust the Lord and hang in there, we are going to reap if we do not faint. Amen? Really important. But Isaiah here says that we need to, <clears throat> we need to understand that God's thoughts are higher. Everyone say higher. So, so God's trying to lift us into a much higher way of thinking. He, he, and and I, I want to look at some of the dynamics of what it is to, to have the renewed mind. 
In fact, I'd like you to go with me. By the way, in your notes tonight, we're on Roman numeral 6 on the back page of the first handout I gave you. Would you jump with me to Matthew 9? I I want you to see something here in the dynamics where Jesus is speaking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And um, I want you to hear these words that he says. Now, this is, he's, he's teaching the kingdom. But in his teaching of the kingdom, Jesus is noticing, and he's, he knew this would happen, that there is going to be people that are going to seriously become offended. Remember what Hebrews chapter 11 says, to those, to those who love him, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, he is an offense. There's an offense. The gospel becomes an offense. Even though it's the good news, it's offensive. That's what Hebrews says. But here Jesus is kind of giving us a little bit of the insight. He used some practical metaphors here. He uses a piece of garment and he uses a wineskin. And he says this, verse 16, Matthew 9, 16. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch, and I want to write this down, the patch pulls away. It pulls away. Get this. The patch pulls away. What Jesus is saying here is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the dynamic of the kingdom, when it's working in a church, in a Christian and a believer, it's going to pull you away. How many, when you got saved, and you were born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, it began to pull or draw you away from some things you used to think? It's going to pull you. And what Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit is like a piece of unshrunk cloth that cannot and is not compatible with old garments. It won't work. Because the unshrunk cloth, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the kingdom, will pull away. It will draw away. <clears throat> and then, then he uses another, another metaphor here. Nor do anyone puts new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskin breaks. Now Jesus here is referring to the Holy Spirit's expanding. It expands. But it also has this particular property that anything that is not flexible and anything that is not, that anything that is brittle or rigid it will break it. The Holy Spirit is so powerful and it is so expanding that it has the tendency to break things. It will break. It will expand. It, will, it stretches people beyond what they're used to. Now all of us tonight, when it comes to our minds, our thinking, our habits, our parameters how we feel, how we think, what we believe, what we know, 
our convictions, our values, all these things together. We may not necessarily realize it. We may not even think about it. But we have breaking points. And we have places in our own values. And uh, God will allow people to come into your life because He loves you. And the Lord will use people to draw you or pull you away. And He will also use people or the Holy Spirit Himself speaking to you will seek to expand your horizons. And, and when Jesus used new wine, for instance, anyone, I, I'm not a connoisseur of wine. I, I don't understand the total science of it. But what I've read about it is that wine in and of itself is constantly releasing gases. It breathes. Some people call it the wine that's breathing. And, and it's releasing. And, and in order for the wine to, to stay uh, healthy and good, it needs to be put in proper uh, either jars or wine skins or particular, to, so it will not ruin. And it, it doesn't want to be exposed to a lot of oxygen, I hear. But, but wine has to breathe, but it expands. And so when Jesus referred to wine, by the way, just for your, for some of you may not know this, but Jewish people, especially with weddings, <clears throat> the most important element at a wedding was the wine. For us here in America, it's the cake. But for Jewish people, the wine. Wine was, it, it was a superstitious in, in one sense, but it was a symbol of life. It was a symbol of prosperity, wealth, blessing, good fortune. And the one thing, in fact, if you go back to the, the uh, miracle or the, the miracle of Cana, when Jesus turned the water and the wine, and remember at the wedding, by the way, most Jewish weddings lasted seven days, and by the time they were at the seventh day, they, that's why they passed out the, the, they saved the worst wine to last in most normal weddings, because by then most people were so sauced and so drunk they couldn't tell the difference anyway. I mean, the weddings literally last anywhere from seven to ten days. Un, unlike here in America, we, we have weddings that maybe go an afternoon. But Jewish weddings lasted that long, and one of the most important things you had was wine. Wine symbolized good fortune. And again, very superstitious. The one thing you never did was run out of wine at a wedding. You just don't do that. Uh, you know, here we run out of beverages. We just go down to the 7-Eleven or Tom Thumb. We bring it, buy it, and come back, and we're ready to go. Well, back in Jesus' day, that, that's not what happened. If you run out of wine, I mean, people begin to think, oh, 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 I think, the, I think this marriage is not going to make it. It's not going to... Again, when people got married back in those days, what happened, it wasn't just the marriage of two people. It was literally many of the weddings, by the way, unlike ours today. Many of them were prearranged. It was most of them got married for the purpose of financial partnerships, families coming together as clans. Hey, my daughter, marry your son, and we become partners in business, and we do well because your son married my And they think like that. Now, today, we drop that quick. But back in those days, wine was symbolic of that. But Jesus comes along in his ministry, and he begins <clears throat> to speak of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom. And he says this, 
you guys understand the science and the property of wine, but he says, I want you to know that my message and what I'm bringing to you is a message that is constantly expanding. It is constantly growing. And it's going to require the kind of flexibility, it's going to require the kind of faith in order for you to stay full of life, full of vision, full of power, full of uh, blessing. We need to grow with the Holy Spirit. We need to follow. Amen? Let, Let me give you some shifts that are going to happen. In the renewing of my mind, it is the most vulnerable time, number one. It's the most vulnerable time in your life. When you begin to renew your mind, it's a, it's a time of vulnerability. <clears throat> and God knows that. He knows it's a very vulnerable time because what's happening, some things are shifting. And uh, it's also a time where things can be really shaky. But it's also a time of great growth. We should, we should be welcoming things Now, I'm not suggesting that we just kind of jump off the cliff kind of change. I'm not suggesting we just move blindly into things. I believe that we need to learn to hear the the Father's voice. We also need to learn to confer with our leaders and our brothers and sisters in Christ. I would never make decisions without my wife. I would never make decisions without the eldership or my apostolic oversight in my life. I never, never, never make decisions without apostolic covering. Never in my life. Why? It's not because I just decided that. It's biblical. It's Bible. It's for your safety. The multitude council proverb says there's great safety. But but the one thing that we do want to do is we want to become people that learn to follow the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. I I remember I had a a, a woman, uh, uh, there's a young couple that came into my office Never, never have attended our church here. My, my wife and I, we've counseled people at times. <clears throat> and there was a young lady who came into my office, and um, she was asking me some questions about her relationship with a guy who was a Catholic, by the way. He was in Catholicism. And uh, she, she was, in, 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 in all respects, I believe that she had some kind of a Christian background, but they had come into a kind of a snag in their relationship. And um, she, she wanted the Lord, and she, she, she made this promise to the Lord. This is what she had told me. She said, Lord, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and move in and live with this guy, and I'm going to lead him to Jesus. And when I lead him to Jesus, I promise you I'll serve, you, serve him all the days of my life. And here again, this, this young lady meant well. Uh, she, she didn't have a knowledge of the Word of God. But what happened was, it was that she, she moved in with this fella, and uh, uh, they had a, a small little baby uh, together. And what happened was, uh, she, she came to me and asked me about baptism. The, the man wanted the baby to be baptized with an infant baptism, and the whole family was all for it his side of the family. And so she came to me and asking me about it, and I said, well, uh, what is her feelings on it? I asked her, and she said, well, I don't, I don't really believe in infant baptism. I, I think that people should be baptized until they 
are able to understand and they've come to a certain age. And I said, you're absolutely right. In fact, there's nothing in Scripture that supports baptism at all. And I said, you know, I'd be glad to see your boyfriend. And uh, she said, would you? And so she brought him in. And the guy was very, very uh, guarded. By the way, most people, when they come see a pastor, they're very guarded. They, they, they think they're in to see the principal. They don't realize we're easy to get along with. We really are, you know. We're <laughs> but uh, he's, he comes in, and he's pretty uh, strong. And um, he begins to let me know that I believe that our baby should be baptized, and I want him to be baptized by a priest. They had a, a child that was under one years old. And they, he wanted the baby to be baptized, and and they were having this problem. In fact, the problem was getting so intense, it was going to break them up. It was that intense. She, she, she did not feel she could stay with them over this issue. It was, it was becoming that strong. But what happened was that uh, in the course of the discussion, <clears throat> I knew that if I begin to bring the Bible out with this guy, that it really wasn't going to do any good. But I did ask him, I said, can I ask you what place the Bible has with your thinking and your values and your convictions? And he couldn't answer me. He couldn't answer the question. He said, well, I believe in the Bible. But I said, can you tell me why is infant baptism important to you? Well, it's because it's been the family been part of the family. That my, my, my grandmother was baptized when she was a baby. My mom and my dad were baptized. And I was baptized when I was a baby. And it's down to the family. And I said, okay. So, so it's, it's a traditional thing with you, right? And he said, yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and my girlfriend here just doesn't seem to get it. And I said, well, can I ask you a question? I said, is, is, is it about, what, what is it that is important to you about this? Well, he says, well, if my, something happens to my baby, the baby will go to heaven. I want to make sure the baby goes to heaven. I said, can, can I just reassure you right now that if your baby died, your baby would go to heaven. It doesn't need to be baptized to go to heaven. But I said, do you have any, not, have you ever been taught anything about baptism at all? Ever. And he'd never, he'd never had it. He hadn't even had a five-minute class. But what, what I'm having here in my office is I got this girl and this guy, and they have two conflicting views, two conflicting values from two different situations. They're coming from two different backgrounds. And this girl is doing her best. Oh, she wants this thing to work. She wants it to work so bad. She wants it to work. And, and she's finding that in, in the course of their relationship, that these things start springing up. And uh, so I begin to ask them just some simple things. I, I begin to post some things about him. I, I said, what would you have felt if your father and your mother came to you and told you who you were going to marry? Would you do it? He says, absolutely not. Nobody's going to tell me who I'm going to get in a relationship with. Well, I said, do you know that's what infant baptism is? You're basically making up your baby's mind uh, without her consent. 
See, see, first of all, your, your baby, if she would die, she would, she would be in the presence of the Lord because she's not to the place of understanding that. She's not to a place of making responsible choices. But I said to him, I said, God gives all of us a free will. And baptism has nothing to do, it's not some piece of fire insurance. Uh, and I said that the whole thing about the kingdom of God, the whole thing about Christianity is about relationship. And I could see the girlfriend in my office, she was going, yes, yes, lay it on him, you know. And I, I'm thinking to myself, even though I'm bringing this out and it's making some sense to him, and I, I didn't want to bring scripture because sometimes people get intimidated by that, but I tried to just appeal to him from a common sense viewpoint. I don't know whether it made any difference in his life or not, but what I'm trying to say is that when we begin to renew our minds, the second thing in the dynamics, you're going to lose some people and you're going to gain some people as you begin to pursue the kingdom of God. There's going to be times where there's some people that are not going to stay with you. Uh, There's going to be some people that are going to stay with you because there's something in their heart. They've tasted that new wine and they don't want to go back to an old wine. Now, when Jesus refers to the new wine and old wineskins, the wineskin has to do with the container. It has to do with the container that the wine is put in. All of us have certain containers. All of us have certain parameters. Our container determines what we put in it. Our container has to do with our values, our opinions, our memories, uh, where we've come from. And one of the things that's really important when it comes to the renewing of the mind, I need to ask myself, is my container receptive to what God wants to say today? Or am I blocking it? Or am I resisting it? How many of you follow what I'm saying? Uh, case in point, I was, when I was 16, 15, 16 years of age, I was part of the very first outreach, uh, my, not me only, but my, my parents. We were the first, we, I was, my family was part of the very first outreach that ever went out from our home church we were sent out, a pastor was raised up, his name was Pastor Gary Benson, and uh, they were sending an outreach church into Hood River. Well, Hood River was a place that we happened to live, my parents happened to live. We used to go 60 miles one way to church, because we just loved the church, and the presence of God, the Holy Spirit was moving, and all that. And we would go, and, well, Gary Benson felt a call to go to Hood River and start a work. Start a church. Well, we come to find out that there was a group of people up there already, and they'd kind of be, been meeting in a home meeting, uh, kind of a life group situation, and they were waiting. And, and when Brother Dick told this group of people that we have a man in our church, and we're going to send him your way, and they're going to be the very first outreach of Bible Temple, it's going to be our first thrust, our first church sent from Bible Temple. And I remember Pastor Iverson came to me. I'm 15 years old. And 
I used to be a keyboard player and an organ player in our old church back in Portland. Our church was probably about eight, 900 people at that time. And I was in the youth group and having a great time with all the young people and youth and all this and just love to be around my friends. And then Dick, my pastor, comes and says, Ray, I would like, I'd be so honored if you would go and be part of this first outreach church. And my heart sank because what it meant is, man, I'm not going to be with my friends anymore. They're sending me on a mission trap. And I was not happy. <laughs> I really wasn't. But not only that, my parents lived in Hood River. And so they wanted, Dick had asked my parents to be a part of it, and they asked me to go because I was a keyboard player, and there was nobody else to play keyboard. They had, they had no music. And so we're getting ready to go, and we're getting all excited about going out and starting this work and evangelizing and see the kingdom of God come to this little town of 20,000 in Hood River, Oregon, we're getting ready, and they had this big to-do on a Sunday night, and they sent us all out. We were all down in the front of the church, 800 people. They had about 15 of us, my parents and me. We're all standing in line, and I'm, I'm dying because I really didn't want to go. But I was going, and, and, and Brother Dick asked me this. He says, Ray, I, I know it's tough because you love to be here. You want to be with your friends and all that. But he says, just give me six months. Just give me six months to go out and, until... The church gets established and they can get, raise up another musician. Well, I, I'm sent out with them and we, we go up there. And uh, now we as a church at the time, we had been well grounded and well taught in the dynamics of revival. What I mean by that is that we were taught the importance of the presence of God. We were taught the importance of of, of having a passion for Jesus and what it was to really be a disciple and follow Jesus. We were, had a real grounding in our personal walk where we were at at that church. When we went to Hood River, which was a small rural community in this group of people, and Pastor Gary Benson, who was the senior pastor, and us 15, out of Bible Temple, when these two groups merged, well, we come to realize that just because you vote in the pastor unanimously doesn't necessarily mean it married itself. It didn't, it didn't merge. What happened was, is that we had, in our group, we were, we were worshipers. Boy, we just loved to prophesy and praise God during the service. We had excitement. We had joy. And the other folks that were waiting for us to come, they were waiting when we got there, they just put a wall up and they, they were like this. And part of the reason was, is they were thinking, well, this is not what we were expecting. We thought it was going to be like it used to be. And what they wanted is they wanted us to sing out of the hymn books. Again, nothing wrong with hymns. Nothing wrong with hymns. And they thought that the service should last only so long and not be prolonged. We need to be out in an hour and 15 minutes. And there were some things. We're just, we're just enjoying Jesus. We're just having fun with Jesus. Because, man, we just love Jesus. But when the groups came together, we had a new wine group with an old wineskin group. And what happened was, 
it wasn't gelling. It wasn't working. And I'm a 15-year-old kid, and I could sense the tension. I mean, the tension was thick. Anybody ever been in a church like that? You come to church, and something's weird here. It's just kind of a wall. Well, what happened was, was when Gary came in, now, I, I, Gary was probably in his early 40s at the time. And Gary got up, bless him, he's preaching vision, we're, God's going to take us here, and we're going to do this for the Lord. We're going here for God. But what happened was, the people that were there were not on board because they did not feel connected. Now, with hindsight, hindsight's always twenty twenty. If I would have been the pastor in that situation, with hindsight, I would have not even focused on vision. Vision. These people just needed healing. They just needed to know that God loved them. To tell you the truth, they weren't ready for the new wine. They weren't ready for a mind adjustment. They weren't ready for something new in God because many of them were broken. Many of them had come out of certain religious pasts. Number one, some of them, half, over half of them were not spirit-filled and resisted the Holy Spirit. The, or the baptism resisted it as the gift for today. They didn't embrace it for today. And so we were having this problem. About three to four months while I'm there as a young man in this season, um, there was this pulling away. You can begin to see people, begin, there were people that were growing, but then there were some that were falling away. Not everybody was being drawn. And I remember Pastor Gary being really upset. He was frustrated as a young pastor. Didn't know, because he, he, wanted, he wanted the presence, the most important thing for a spirit-filled church. How many of you know the most important thing for is his presence? We want his presence. We're not interested in following some kind of program. We want His presence. We want there to be expansion. See, the renewing of my mind is where I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the kind of expansion and change and renewing and uh, transformation that will actually begin to shape my convictions and values. Where, And one of the ways that you know your mind is being renewed is not because you're excited, but it's because you've actually moved from point A to point B. You've, you've, you've not, you're not just excited about change, but you've, you've begun to move into something new that you never used to do before. See, renewing the mind is not just thinking differently, it's actually living differently. And if you're not living differently, in other words... Just great thoughts. But by the way, can I say this? And it's kind of an extreme example. But there's a lot of people today that are in hell that had great intentions. Good intentions don't get you to heaven. Good intentions. I meant, I meant, oh God, I meant, well, did you follow me? Well, I meant to follow you. I really meant to follow you, Lord. I, I know I followed a lot of other things, but I, I, I know I didn't really hear your voice, and I didn't follow you, but, but I meant to. I mean, this is one thing the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me all my life, about learning to be a follower, learning to be transformed. Uh, uh, look, come, come to your notes here. Just 
I want, I want you to notice down here on the observations. First of all, letter A on some of these things. Careful discernment in determining the needs between the old and new is so important here. Jesus is saying we need to learn to discern. Discernment is so critical. Renewing my mind is learning to discern. Am, am I really hearing the Lord or is it just what I want or what I'm hearing? What I'm hearing. <clears throat> I, I, need to, I need to, and that's what Jesus is talking about. You never put old or new wine into old wine skins and you don't put an unshrunk cloth onto an old garment because it pulls away. The second thing here is this, <clears throat> is that the process requires compassion from those who are bringing new revelation. Notice what Jesus says here, is that he says, you never put the piece of unshrunk cloth on the old, for the patch pulls away from the garment and tear, the tear is made worse. He's actually concerned about the tear. Let me share something really quickly on this. Years ago, when we were praying for revival in the early 70s, and God began to send about 100 hippies into our church in Portland, we also had the same problem. Because we had young people coming in that had an amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a move of God in their life, saved on the streets, and they came into the church and they begin to despise the people that had been in church for years, but at the same time, the people that had been in church for years despised the young people because they didn't wear the right clothes and their hair was too long and they came in the church with flip-flops and big dogs. And we had a... I remember those walls. You see what I'm saying? And so... What happened was the Holy Spirit was moving and God was bringing a diverse group of people into the church and their whole approach to God was different than our approach to Him. And the interesting thing that happened. Now, I'm, I'm a young kid, but I, I noticed this. When people came into our church, you know what we wanted to do? We wanted to change them. You're a Christian. You're going to get a suit and tie. You're a Christian, you will wa walk in here with good polished shoes, not flip-flops. We used to be, I remember one time, no kidding, my hair used to go over my ear. One of the elders came up to me, Ray, that hair, what? It's over your ear. It is? Yes, cut it off. Okay. I mean, I literally, at that time, we had a wineskin that was more concerned about the appearance and the looks and the style because it was Christianity by association with certain style, certain clothing, certain hair looks, certain looks, whether you had makeup, whether you didn't have makeup, uh, certain style of music, all of these things. And we were missing God all, the, all together. And what you had is you had... The new persecuting the old and the old persecuting the new and nobody was getting along. And God, by the way, the devil is clapping his hands and pulling a great hurrah because there's a house divided will not stand. But here's what we didn't understand. We didn't have the love of God. The love of God, by the way, 
we didn't understand holiness. We didn't understand that God was trying to open our hearts to what was really important. He was trying to get us to look in the heart instead of the outward appearance. We were missing so much during those years. And thank God, I think we've evolved over these years, uh, over the years. But, but we had to grow up. In the renewing of our mind, we come to understand that a lot of things we used to worry about is not at all what God was worried about. You know, it, it, it's not at all. We, we made things, we made things issues that were non-issues as far as what the Holy Spirit was concerned about. We made them issues. And what happened was, and this is my opinion, even I'm speaking about the home church I came from. I believe there was a season where God lifted his blessing off of us. Because, and I, and I say this about the home church I came from, because I believe we were focused on things with people that the Holy Spirit was not focused on. God was interested in healing their hearts, not changing their clothes styles, and, and trying to make people conformed into certain things that we thought they should be conformed in. The renewing of the mind. When God begins to renew your mind, one of the more powerful things about this concept of expanding, God begins to give you a love for all kinds of people and you see them as the Father sees them and you're not looking... Here's what the law does. Remember what the law focuses on? The law focused on the externals. Thou shall not kill, steal, commit adultery, bear false witness. The law focuses on the external where Jesus focused on the what? The heart. It's so important that we understand that God's looking on the heart. And when you begin to grow in your expansion, let let me just say this, you're going to find yourself actually letting more people go to heaven. You're going to start allowing more people come into your fellowship and you're going to find yourself, your heart's going to get much larger. You're going to start expanding in embracing all races of people. You're going to find yourself expanding in, in, in embracing different kinds of individuals and uh, not judging them that way. And so when Jesus is talking about this pulling away, I, I just want to tell you right now, one of the greatest things that happened in my life and the renewing of my mind is when God began to pull me away, draw me away. First of all, he always does it with love and compassion. But he drew me away with certain traditions and certain values and thoughts that were hindering me from understanding his love. Let me tell you something that happened to me. I was in a worship service one time, no kidding. I was worshiping the Lord like this. And one day in the worship service, I smelt the worst body odor I could ever... I, I, I opened my eyes and standing next to me was a man by the name of Jan Weinstein who actually become my partner in Bible school later. He's a hippie. He has a tank top on, cut off shorts, and he's sweating profusely, and he's standing, tears flowing down his face. And I remember sitting in church, and I moved down the aisle because I could not... St- I'm thinking, look at who's standing there. He's a hippie. And I remember moving away because he smelled so bad, and I was a. Sh- I was concerned about what the leaders of the church was thinking about me standing next to this guy. I know I'm humiliated by even telling you that, but I used to think like that. 
And I, I pulled myself away and I said, oh God, Lord, save that man. Well, guess what? Ray needed to get saved. Ray was the one who needed to get saved. In fact, let me tell you something else. Jan Weinstein, you know, it's amazing what God pulled him out, saved him out of the occult, out of the drug culture. When God saved and came into his heart, it, you know, remember what Jesus said with a woman who washed the feet of Jesus in the house of Simeon? He says, to whom much has been forgiven, the same loves much. Jan Weinstein, literally, and I say this with all truthfulness, he grew faster in the Lord than I did, even though I was raised in the church. Because of the, because of the revelation of the Father's heart and the love of the Father, he grew light years ahead of me, even though I was raised in the church. Because I was limited by this wineskin that said certain things cannot be happening here. Where he, he came into the kingdom uncluttered from any religious background. He just said, God loves everybody, man. I mean, he just, he, he had this huge heart. Now, I'm not suggesting, and I don't want to convey in any way that if you've been raised in the church that you're limited and you're blind and, and, and you're short-sighted and you're not flexible and you're not uh, yielding to the Lord. I am saying to you that that was me. I'm not saying to anybody here that if, if you were raised, because I, I also want to commend anybody who's been raised in the church and you serve the Lord, you've kept yourself unspotted from the world. That, that's something to be commendable. I'm just saying to you that we, I was in a wineskin. I was in a thought process. My mind was limited. My values were limited. And my views towards people was limited because I did not understand the grace or the love of God. I understood the rules. I understood what I came to church to be accepted. I came to church to get the pat on good job, Ray. I used to come to the church for that reason. I did not come to the church to be validated by the Holy Spirit. I wanted man's validation. That's a dangerous place to be. Are you following what I'm saying? See? God's going to, God, the Holy Spirit, even in our church, he's, pull, he's drawing us away right now. He wants to draw us away from any prejudice. He wants to draw us away from any kind of predisposition towards judging situations because we have not walked in certain shoes. <clears throat> I want to tell you something, true story, and I'm closing. I had a woman, my wife knows this and a few of our leaders, we had a woman that came to New Life years ago she was a professing witch. She asked me if she could come to New Life. And she said, Pastor, would you mind if I could come to your church? And she had a boyfriend. She came to New Life, and she was coming here. And, and uh, it did get out. Some people said, Pastor Ray, do you know who's over there? She's a witch. Why would you let a witch come to New Life? I said, because she needs the Lord. She needs to know the Father's heart. And this is what the witch said. This is what she told me. By the way, she actually said this. By the way, Pastor, I hope you're okay with this, but every time I've left another church, the pastor dies. So it's, I hope it's okay if I come to your church. Not a problem. She really said that, too. The pastor dies. Uh, I, don't, I don't think she was trying to be threatening, but she actually said that. Just things, bad things happen every time I leave a church. But, but she says, I, I really want to know what you Christians think. That was her. She was, she was coming out of curiosity. 
She didn't make any waves. She only came on Sunday. She came a few Wednesday nights. And uh, when she came, she was very, very curious. And she, I had a couple sessions with her and her boyfriend. Uh, you won't believe what happened. A year later, well, they, they lasted about three or four church, year, uh, three or four months, and then they left. Her former husband, his name was Paul, he came to the church, was following her. They had two daughters together, come to find out. A year later, two guys in black come and meet me at the door. In an afternoon one time, these guys come and meet me and said, Pastor Gallagher, can we talk to you? They bring out an 8.5 by 11, and it's a picture of this witch's former husband. And I said, I, 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 he, says, he claims that you're his pastor. And I hadn't seen them for over a year. And so he asked me, uh, he says, can you tell us a little bit about Paul? And I said, well, they only came in for three or four months, and then they all left together, and they were gone. He says, well, the reason we're here to tell you is the witch, the woman, was killed. She was stabbed 14 times in the neck, and Paul had killed her. Killed her, and, and he was in front of his daughters. He was high on methamphetamines and killed her. Unbelievable situation. But those, so those are the kind of things we were running into and we're dealing with at that time. But you know, the, the thing I, I thought about it when, when that woman was in our church, I got to tell you something. Just the thought of the fact that she was in witchcraft, but I come to realize later she was raised with parents that were in the occult. And I really kicked myself for not reaching out more to that woman and her boyfriend and just loving them with Jesus. I wished I would have done more. I feel bad that I didn't. I don't know if she ever came to know the Lord at all. But I know that she was in the occult, and I, I wish my mind would have been renewed in a way where I could see people as the Father sees them. And not to judge people just because they've been in certain, certain classes, certain states of situations. You know, here's the thing. The reason why God's expanding and drawing us away is not because he's trying to shake up our world. What he's trying to do is he's trying to reveal the heart of the Father to us. It's not about God. God doesn't get his kicks out of watching you go through situations that shake you up. No, what he's trying to do, he's trying to stretch you so you can say, wow, God, I, I realize now you're more, you're, you're more graceful, you're more loving, you're, you're more merciful than I ever thought you were. That's what the Father's doing with us. And so God's going to bring people in across our path that are going to be somewhat more challenging that we probably would have accepted. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? Amen. Let's, let's bow. With, we're, well, here, let me, before we pray, I want to finish these quick notes here real quick. I'm sorry. Much patience. Let us see much patience and faith in bringing impartation to those who are in need is so important. Letter D. The process of renewing is not just the addition of new information to old information, but rather the careful removal of old information or adjustment of old information into new ideas and attitudes. Can you say amen to that one? So important. God's not just adding information. Letter C. The pro letter E. The process of renewing the mind is called saturation. Well, I wish I had time to talk on that. Saturation, which is the, another word for soaking. We need to be soaking in the love, in the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, the ultimate purpose for saturation 
is to make our minds compatible with his will as it becomes softened in the presence of the Lord and the knowledge of his love. Can you say amen? How many of you have been softened by the Holy Spirit? I know I, I'm being softened. Being, being made willing to, amen? Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we ask you tonight to just continue to saturate us, Lord. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we're so grateful that you didn't quit or give up on us. Lord, you were so patient. And you're so concerned, even when our wineskins were brittle and we were not flexible, yet you were so patient, full of compassion. Help us to understand the dynamics of how the process of change and transformation brings us into the image of Jesus brings us into your image, Lord. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to be looking next week on at strongholds. We're going to be dealing with strongholds next week. Blessing.